Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, baseball family. This week we have a hot stove, silver slugger finalists, and a World Series wrap-up right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brad, and I'm going to be driving this ship today, but not as a pirate captain, just as my regular old self. And <laughs> I'm joined by our guy, Brig. Brig, how are you today? I am. My eyes are red, <laughs> but yeah, I feel. I feel really great. <laughs> good news. Good news. Yeah, All right. We just, have, there's like tons going on already. Today was the first day of free agency. This is today as in Monday, not today as in Tuesday. This thing dropped as in Monday, the day that we're recording. And so there's a bunch of stuff that we're going to get into. But before we do that, baseball family, we want to talk about sports betting because it has rapidly risen in popularity. And we want to connect you with an opportunity to get started or to get ahead. Having multiple sports books accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time to sign up than now. When you visit our page at signupexpert.com/baseball, again that's signupexpert.com/baseball, you'll be connected to all the sports books in your region along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through the Baseball Together link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. It's a great way to get started and to pad your bank account a little bit. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the show, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com baseball. As always, just like the money in the banana stand, there is always a link in the episode description. Okay, quick PSA there. before we get too deep into this. Opening day is only 143 days away. If you're a Dodgers and Padres fan, go ahead and subtract seven from that number if you'd like, or you can. Um, because it's a little special for you, but for everybody else, 143 days, that doesn't seem that far away, Brig. It really doesn't. And I'm really excited about it because... Despite the bright colors, I'm actually in mourning, okay? Right. I mean, there's a reason a black shirt on today. Well, that's great, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I keep, anyway. I keep forgetting that I should be in mourning, but I'm not. I'm excited. This is great. 143 days is awesome. It doesn't feel like that many. Um, there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then as far as baseball goes, life goes. Um, but we'll get there, and it's going to, like I said, it's going to get there really fast. It's going to sneak up on us. Um, but before we get there, there were some hirings that went on in the last, like, 48 hours. Some of them yeah. very surprising. Um, first things first, the Cubs blew up the news cycle today by announcing that they hired Craig Council, of all people, 
as their manager. We were convinced they were going to the Mets, along with probably most people in the world. I think so. Yeah. Right? Dude, this Um, blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked by this. I couldn't believe it. Uh, But I was like, well, David Ross, right? And no, I I understand, Brig, that the sentiment surrounding David Ross really soured this year. It did. Especially oh. in the latter half, I feel like it. Yeah, they had a chance, and they muffed it. Yeah. Well, and, and apparently there's a belief in Chicago that some of the decisions he made the last couple weeks of the season are like the reason they didn't make the playoffs. Right. Although you might be able to pinpoint it on a missed fly ball by Seiya Suzuki. You just might, <laughs> because if he caught that ball, the D backs probably weren't going. Yeah, that's a pretty good chance there. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, do you think it's going to be a good fit? Do you think it'll work out? Yeah, I do, actually. I do think it'll be a good fit, and I think it's going to work out. Um, I'm really surprised he didn't end up in New York, um, but I think this is the size of market he likes. I think it's it's got a really strong fan base. He's used to that. It's not too far away. He likes that. You know, there's a lot to be desired here. Um, it was all, it's like we got a little tease when he was interviewed with Cleveland, but I don't think there was any news about talks with Chicago. Like none. No. Oh, and this is the crazy thing, too, is that I guess the Cubs asked permission to talk to him, hmm. but they didn't give it to him. And so <laughs> I think it's crazy that okay. this happened so fast that. I think there's going to be a tampering investigation here. Yeah, that I could see that. That's there's a good point. Got to be an investigation for tampering because, like, there's no way it was just like, "Hey, you want to come, coach? Yeah, all right. See you tomorrow." Right. Okay. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, we got that other guy. We'll take care of it. Click. Or I guess I should say tap. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. But well, okay. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? The Brewers and the Cubs don't get along. Right, they just don't. And well, yeah, this goes. I feel like there's no way that the Brewers would have given permission for the Cubs to talk to him because of that. That right, and and it goes top to bottom. I feel like the organizations don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. Sometimes there's player issues and stuff between each other on game days and stuff. So for the for this to have come literally out of nowhere, both speaks to the intensity of the rivalry but also that it it justifies a whole bunch of the shock we're all feeling right now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree it's it's very strange that like you said like we said it came out of nowhere um but i think you're right though i think it's gonna work yeah it's gonna work i saw an article that said that they uh council and the cubs are out to prove that the manager still matters sweet do it i say do it Double down, triple down, do whatever you got to do because that's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reason uh, Mad Dog uh, Mattis got Mattis. Madden. That's he's a general. <laughs> Mad Dog Mattis is a Marine Corps four star. Anyway, <laughs> Mad Dog Madden. That's where I got the nickname. So now you got me. Uh, that's why I think Joe Madden got ousted because the front office wanted to make all his decisions and he didn't want to let that happen. And I think Craig Council probably plays a political game a little quieter than Joe did, and yeah. that's going to be a big that's going to be a big deal 
Um, but he would not have gone anywhere, I don't think, without a certain latitude, without enough rope, whatever you want to call it. If he's not going to be calling his shots and running the show, I don't think he would have signed with a club that wasn't going to let him do that. Right. Here's the other thing I want to say is that Craig Council is the winningest manager in Milwaukee history. So for him to then move across to Northside Chicago to a rival and could be, depending on the tenure he has in Chicago and the career, another terrific opportunity for him to be a, a, a another winningest manager in franchise history. Could right. be. So because that's the thing is the, the Cubs – for lack of a better word, and I apologize for the rhyme, are not scrubs. They're not. They're not. Like, they've got some talent on that team. If you get the right manager in there who knows how to manage situational baseball yeah. and and really, really do a great job managing your pitching staff, it could be a good team. Especially I'm in looking at the I'm going to look at who the winningest manager in Chicago Cubs is right now. I'm going to guess Dusty Chicago Baker or Joe, or Joe Madden. Winningest manager. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> this manager boasted a 1,282 <laughs> wins to 932 losses. Okay. A 579 win-loss percentage. Three World Series uh, championships, if I'm not mistaken. And it's okay, Cap so Anthony. Like- Cap Anson should have known. Cap, yeah. How known. did you not know that? You know, he's just born in 1852. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Should have so, known. Know. Should have known. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's, so there, there was another manager actually hired today. The Cleveland baseball team did hire their manager, but as we know, it, it was not Craig Council. Instead, it was Stephen Vote. Yeah. So he spent, he's been retired from baseball for one entire year. He spent that entire year with the Mariners as the yeah. bullpen and quality control coach. Um, from what I understand, they really liked him a lot. Like, they loved the dude. So he, I think he could go into this clubhouse and receive a warm reception. And also the fact that he's only been removed from the game for a year and a half by the time he gets there. Right yeah. by the time he gets into spring training. And um, I think he's going to know a lot of those guys personally. Yeah. And I, th- I think they're going to, I think he's going to receive a, a warm reception until he gives them a reason not to. Right. And that's what we see with David Ross. We had the exact same conversation when they hired him in Chicago. And yeah. here they are doing it in Cleveland. Now, I know you got to get new managers from somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I know that catchers, former catchers, are always a really good starting option. Like, you know, I haven't looked into it, but I'm I'm curious going through the league because I know there are some guys who are managers who I don't know were catchers, but off the top of my head, Scott Service, um, vote now. I yeah. know that um Sosha, Mike Sosha was a catcher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, so those it's are just, just off the top of my head. Yeah, it's just one of those things that seems to work. So my question is. And we won't know this, but do you think this is a long-term solution for them? Or is this plug in the gap? Is he the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dam? (laughs) That's how it feels. That's how it feels to me. (laughs) You know, he might be. And I, the thing that's interesting is that Cleveland's kind of taken a waiver on him, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. They're like, we'll give you a shot. We'll see how it goes. Um, because he has no reason for anybody to think that he can do this other than the fact that he played a high level of baseball for 10 years, played yeah. for six teams. People like him. Yep. So he knows how to get a clubhouse to rally around him. Yeah. Um, but there's, like I said, there's there's no reason for us to believe that he's going to take this team over the top and make a difference and do something that Terry Francona couldn't do. That's what I want. The, the comparison is the thing. Yeah. It's the comparison with Terry, t- with Tito. I don't know. I don't know, man. We'll see. But that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. They, they could end up falling off of being a really bad team for the next three years because we've talked about it before. They have a hard time producing runs outside of home runs. Yeah. Right, like aside from like a couple guys, um, yeah. they have some pretty good pitching. They have some all right defense, but they definitely took a step back this year from where they were in 2022, for sure. So it'll I be agree. interesting to see what happens to this team in 2024. So anyway, there was another manager hired since the Mets didn't get their guy. Gosh, these are like all dominoes falling because yeah. of Craig Council. It's right? true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so the Mets didn't get counsel. So instead they hired Carlos Mendoza. He was the bench coach for the last four seasons in on the other side of New York. Yeah. The Bronx for Aaron Boone. Brig, what do you know about Carlos Mendoza? Yes. Okay. Now the, the real question or the, re- I don't know anything about him <laughs> other than he's done. A, he's done as much of a job as anybody else over there, which is, they didn't win a world championship, which is substandard. And Failure. everybody else, you know, you blame whoever you want, but that guy got out and that's great. And he moved up and that's even better. So huzzah for him. I think that's great. But here's the story I wanted to tell you. I've been waiting to tell you the story. Okay. When the news came through, I got a little dingling notification on my phone here, right? It was like, uh-huh. it said Mets hired Mendoza as manager. I got that one too. And the first thing I thought was, "Oh my gosh, Jessica Mendoza finally got a job managing." That's that was what I thought right off the bat too. And I stopped everything to look into this, and when I found out it was not Jessica Mendoza, I was so angry. So, I can't I'm having a hard time you know, being impartial about this Carlos Mendoza <laughs> thing. I'm like, I don't care. I don't know. I didn't this is not what I was promised you know yeah Yeah. i'm still that's funny that was that's funny because i had the same thought too that i i saw mendoza i was like no way because i feel like i feel like she i don't want to say she belongs in more in the front office but that's the the angle that i feel like she's she had been taking when she was trying to get into baseball is more the front office than than on the field um so yeah i was shocked i was like whoa hold hold up yeah yeah hold the phone I don't know. So, I'd have loved it though. So I, I really excited beats, there for a minute, weren't you? Beats the heck out of me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of front office jobs. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So front office jobs. We're talking about the front office here. The Marlins hired a new president of baseball operations. Hired Peter Bendix. Uh, he has been the general manager with the Rays. Just mm-hmm. fascinating that he basically made a lateral move. All it is is an improvement in title. Yeah. To the Marlins, just moved his stuff down the coast, yeah, down to Miami. Um, I think that what this move is is the Marlins saying, "We like what the Rays are doing. We want to try to play baseball like them." 
Yeah. We want to try to develop players. We want to form our pipeline. As soon as somebody gets expensive, ship them off and just slot in the next stud because yeah. that's what the Rays do. That is Rays baseball. Right. Like, I'm curious what they're eventually going to do with Randy or Rosarena. I know it's a little ways off, but yeah. like that, the anticipation for that is like got me legitimately antsy break. Dude, of all the things the in the one. world, of all yeah. the things in the world, that's the one. You're not the only one. And it's interesting because Kim Ng was not going to stick around to let this happen um, and answer to somebody else, right? So it uh, it begs the question from a philosophical standpoint, right? Was her philosophy so counter to the raise sort of mentality that she, she, that did that inform her departure as much or, or more or partially do. And not just because she didn't want another boss, which was totally reasonable on its own. But Mm. I don't know. I just wonder if maybe there's a philosophical difference here. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know because I honestly I don't have a problem with playing like the Rays. If you have a good eye for talent and you know how to develop talent, go for it. Right. Right. Sure. Like yeah. absolutely do it. There are going to be some holes because I do feel like you have to bring in an impact back, an impact bat, and an impact pitcher to yeah. win a title. We saw that with the Rangers. Yeah, for sure. They brought in a couple of each, but you can certainly get to the World Series. Without yeah. either of those. Yeah. As long as you have some young guys who can all play together, you can get to the World Series, but it's going to take the impact to win it. And so I have no problem if the Marlins are like, let's do what they're doing. The A's are trying to, but they're failing because they don't know how to draft and develop talent. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, well, and they possible. got other problems too, but yeah. And they do have other problems, but no, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I agree. And we won't know. The problem with this is, is we won't know for three to five years. Like honestly, I think it, I think we'll see if it's headed in the right direction. In three, two, I think two. It could be two, but I think I, three. We'll at know. that point, we'll see if it's headed in the right direction. We'll start to see the fruits of it in three. Yeah, uh, five. If it's working, they'll be in the playoffs. We'll know for sure by five, for sure, yeah. one way or the but, other. This is the other thing about this, though, Brig. What this means is that Josh Bell, we'll get to that in just a minute, he opted into his contract, and they still have Jazz Chisholm. Yep. If I'm looking for either of those guys, maybe next week I'm picking up the phone. Yeah. For a trade. Oh, yeah. Because there's a real possibility those guys could be shipped out if if that's the approach that they're going to take. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, Okay, the stove is hot. Officially. Very hot. Uh, free agent he, free agency has started, like I said before. Um, so you've got guys opting into contracts, opting out of contracts. Here's a quick rundown of what we've seen so far. Javi Baez, as you would expect, opted into the final four years of his contract with the Tigers. So um, we will please, send up. Please keep playing me to play baseball. Please yeah. keep paying me to play baseball. So we'll send up a quick baseball prayer to Tigers fans. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, because a couple years ago, that would have been a really good thing. But at this point, Dude. not so much. Not so I don't much. Know what is happening? The Reds officially declined Joey Votto's option. So he's a free agent. Um, we talked a little bit about that last week, right? Was it last week? We talked about that. That's like 
what's going to happen to him. Where is he going to go? Shamanaya opted out of his contract. Opted out of his contract with the Giants. That, that surprises me a little bit. Josh Bell opted in. He wants to stay a Marlin. Eduardo Rodriguez with the Tigers opted out of his final three years, which is actually baffling because he vetoed a trade right. not long ago. Right, right. So, and and part of it was because he didn't want to be uprooted. But I think he didn't want to be uprooted during the season. I think at this point he's like, now's a good time to move. Yeah, wants to get out of Detroit potentially. The White Sox declined Tim Anderson's option. Interesting to see what happens to him this offseason. Marcus Stroman opted out of the final year his deal with the Cubs. Yeah. Cody Bellinger also opted out with the Cubs. Justin Turner is going to test free agency. He opted out of his contract with the Red Sox. Um, how old is he? He's uh, he's 38. 105, yeah. Yeah, might as well be. That's interesting to me that he opted out at that age. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't know. Um, the White Sox also declined Liam Hendricks' option, which honestly makes perfect sense to me. Despite everything, like you would love for the team to do him a solid and just keep him around because of everything he's been through the last year and a half. You're right. But yeah. That's unfortunately not how baseball works. I know. And it is too bad. Yeah. Um, Jorge Soler, this is a big one, I feel like, opted out of his contract with the Marlins. And I think mostly because of the career year he had this year, he's like, I can make way more than that. Yeah. Going to play for a better team, potentially. Hopefully. So, Rick, why don't you go on this list of notable free agents? Because in, in addition to the guys who opted out and didn't have their options picked up, these are other notable free agents. And we'll get into some of them here in a little bit as well. Yeah, you got to watch out for some of these guys. But uh, Shohei Otani, obviously, is going to be the bell of the ball this fall, this mm-hmm. winter and into the spring, depending on what happens, this is going to be the guy where everybody's going to watch out for. Um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto coming out of Nippon, out of Japan. He is heavily ranked as a number two sort of pipeline guy for the free agent market. Everybody wants to see where he's going to go. I, I would rank him as like number two on the yeah, and the free agent stuff. So and then you got Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger. Those guys are both going free agent. Aaron Nola and Josh Hader, Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, JD Martinez. That's really interesting. Um, Jung Hoo Lee is also coming out of KBO. He'll be an interesting one to watch out for. But the one, the one other than, I mean, some of these are fascinating, but I am really interested to see what happens to Matt Chapman. I don't know why. That's the one name out of all of these that I was like, what? Somebody's going to let him slide? Are you? Why would you ever release your grip on Matt Chapman if you could? I don't know. I don't, I don't know because this could be twice, right? Yes. The team is kind of like, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I was like, and it didn't make sense then, and it no. doesn't make sense now. Well, Dude's I mean, one it, of the best. It made sense in Oakland from the, the standpoint that they were going to get a haul. Right, the, yeah, that but, they were going to get people lining up and they could take their pick of who they wanted from anybody that wanted Matt Chapman. Right, from that right. respect, it made sense. But to let him walk in free agency and potentially only get a compensatory pick for it, zero. Wow, zero sense. <laughs> I am infuriated. Yeah. yeah, but I'm also really excited because you know who needs a third baseman? Some fierce. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Yankees. Oh, man. Because yeah. <laughs> your third oh, baseman figured out how to play baseball in, uh, what was it, in in Milwaukee? Yeah. <laughs> this year? Yeah, it's crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fascinating. That will be very interesting. Um, So we talked a little bit about some of the guys here who were going to be getting qualifying offers opted out and stuff like that. So let's talk about calling qualifying offers, what it is, what it means. Um, So first off, a qualifying offer, a, a team can extend a qualifying offer to a player to have them accept it's a fixed amount every year. They, it's predetermined how much it is this year. It is a one year contract worth 20 million or $20.325 million, uh, which is funny. T- it's funny to think that guys would turn it down, but there's two reasons. There are two reasons yeah. why guys would turn this down. One, they want more than a one year deal. All right. It, Cause if you can get a two year deal worth $30 million, you're guaranteed to make more than what this right. offers. Because what guys want is a lot of years, a lot of money every year, the best yeah. that they can do. So yeah. this this is that's why they would turn this down. Um, and there's we'll get into that in a second. But there were a few guys who were extended a qualifying offer by their team. Shohei Otani obviously was one of them uh, with the Angels. Cody Bellinger with the Cubs. Matt Chapman was extended a qualifying offer by the Blue Jays. Twenty million dollars right. again. Keep that in mind for just a minute. Sonny Gray with the Twins, Josh Hader with the Padres, Blake Snell with the Padres, and Aaron Nola with the Phillies. So players have until 4 p.m. Eastern time on November the 14th to decide whether they're going to accept or reject this qualifying offer. In the history of ever, Brig, there have been 124 (laughs) players to receive a qualifying offer. So far, only 13 have accepted. Whoa. Whoa. 13, only 13 out of 124. So looking at this list, Otani will not. Um, I I don't think I don't think Cody Bellinger will because he opted out. Well, I think yeah, he, he won't. understands the potential because he had a good year this year. Matt Chapman certainly will not. Sonny, Ga- Sonny Gray probably will not. Josh Hader, maybe. I don't think he will, though. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell definitely will not. And Aaron no. Nola definitely will not. Absolutely. Because not. they have an opportunity to go make more than $20 million for sure this next year. And right. they want the stability of more than one year as well in case of injury or anything else happens. Yep. So if they reject the offer or are not offered to begin with, because we'll get into that in just a minute, um, it doesn't mean they can't resign with the team. They can resign with the team under a different contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the player rejects and goes somewhere else, the team is given a compensatory draft pick in the next draft. And so what this means is that there are teams that will extend that qualifying offer to their player, knowing full well that they're going to decline it. Absolutely right. knowing full well, like the angels extended to the, to Otani. There is no way on this earth. Otani is accepting one year, $20 million no. when he needs Tommy John surgery. <laughs> <laughs> no, or when he way. just had Tommy John surgery, no chance. And no. the Angels knew that. It's not like it's not that they were being uh, overly optimistic or naive. They knew that. It's that they were saying, "Hey, let's give ourselves a little bit of insurance here. Let's get a draft pick out of the deal, so we don't lose him for zero, for nothing at all." Because absolute zero. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So that's what happens with good breakdown. Offer. That was Thank awesome. Thank you. So there were a few guys who did not receive qualifying offers. Mitch Garver with the Rangers. The Rangers said, thank you, sir, for the World Series. Go see what you can do yourself from another team. We don't want to pay you $20 million because we're paying a bunch of other guys a bunch of money. 
Yeah. J.D. Martinez did not receive a qualifying offer. Reese Hoskins did not receive a qualifying offer because I think it's because the Phillies found their new first baseman. Yeah. I think you're right. And it sucks. Yeah. Jorge Soler did not receive a qualifying offer, which blows my mind. Unreal. They should have extended it just to let him reject it so they could get that draft pick. Especially with their new direction, like the way they're going to try to go things. Oh, man. You're going to want that draft pick. Uh, Kenta Maeda. So here's the thing. Kenta Maeda with the Twins, Kevin Kiermaier with the Blue Jays, and Teoscar Hernandez with the Mariners. None of those guys were extended qualifying offers, and I think it's all for the same reason. Their clubs did not want to risk them accepting it and having to pay them $20 million. For those guys, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, because all all year long, Mariners fans have been like, "Oh yeah, Teoscar Hernandez, he's gonna get, an, he's gonna, they're gonna extend a qualifying offer him just so they can get the, the compensatory pick when he walks." But then it was like, oh, "There's a chance a he could year. take it, so yeah. we don't want to pay him twenty million dollars if we're gonna get a year older, To. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, not at all. Anyway, all right. Can I go through the Gold Glove winners? Please do. All right, baseball family, we broke down, we breaked down. We broke down the Gold Glove award a couple of weeks ago and let you know what it is. Now we have the awardees, and they are in the American League, catcher Jonah Heim with the Rangers, first base, Nathaniel Lowe with the Rangers, second base, Andres Jimenez with Cleveland's baseball club, third base, Matt Chapman, ding ding ding, with the Blue Jays. Shortstop Anthony Volpe with the Yankees. Left field, Stephen Kwan with Cleveland's baseball team. Center fielder, Kevin Kiermeyer, Kiermeyer with the Blue Jays. Right field, Adolis Garcia with the Rangers. Pitcher went to Jose Barrios with the Blue Jays. <laughs> really interesting. And the utility player went to Maru- Mar- Mauricio Dubon. I don't know why I couldn't say that. He's <laughs> place for the Astros. It's because you speak French, not Spanish, Brig. That's why. Yeah, you're right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Any on this American League list? Any uh, reactions? I'm gonna say I'm gonna echo echo Mike Cameron's sentiments on center field. Kevin Kiermaier, you had a good year, but you did not have the year that Julio Rodriguez had in center field. And I know I'm biased. I'm a homer. I will fully own that. But I do not not think Kevin Kiermaier deserved that over Julio Rodriguez. Absolutely not. You're not wrong. I think there was some recency bias on this list. With some of these winners, Jonah Heim, uh, I'm not super surprised that he won it. Um, I was convinced Adley Rutschman was going to win it. Me too. But it's not a captaincy award. It is a gold glove award. Correct. Right. And his glove is solid. Yes, absolutely. Um, Nathaniel Lowe is a little bit surprised that he was the one who got it. I was shocked, Brig. Absolutely shocked that Anthony Volpe got it. Me too. And I know I'm a homer. I, I'm a I was pulling fan. so hard for JP Crawford. I thought this was the year he was going to get back to it and get it again. But I think there is, I don't want to say he's goes bias. Something's but, going on there. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't think so. His bat struggled for sure. His defense was really good, but was it exquisite? Right. Was it, was well, it exceptional? exceptional? Yeah, that's the word I think. Is I don't know. <laughs> exquisite, even. I don't know if it was exceptional. Was it? It was good. It was sometimes really, really good. 
I, I don't know. I'm happy for him. I'm excited about it. Obviously, as a Yankees fan, this is the one moment where I will question it. You, It's over. And now I'm like, of course he deserved it, right? And I will, <laughs> and I'm going to stick by that because so I have to. But right, yeah, that was yeah. There were a few there that I was legitimately shocked by. And that was that was one of them for sure. All right, the National League Gold Glove winners: catcher Gabriel Moreno, fabulous. First base Christian Walker, both with the D-backs. Second base, Nico Horner with the Cubs. Third base, Cabrian Hayes with Pittsburgh Pirates. Shortstop, Dansby Swanson with the Cubbies. Left field, Ian Happ with the Cubbies. Center field, Brenton Doyle with the Rockies. Right field went to Fernando Tatis Jr. with the Friars out in San Diego. Pitcher, Zach Wheeler with Phillies. And the utility player went to Haseon Kim with the Padres. Any surprises for you there? Um, I'm surprised there are that many Cubs in there. I was surprised too. Yeah. I'm surprised, but not that you, you go by them name by name and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that that's good. That makes a lot of sense. But collectively, but collectively, I'm like, whoa, that that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll also say I was I was uh, re- like I said, really glad to see Gabby Moreno get it. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed the world who he was this postseason for those of us that you know maybe didn't notice during the red that the deal with season. the Blue Jays and the D backs sending Moreno and Guriel to Arizona yeah. for Dalton Varsho looking really bad for the Blue Jays right now. Oh man, really? And now they're gonna let Matt Chapman leave? What the what is going Potentially, on? Yeah, oh, anyway, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I also think it's really interesting that Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't want to say he got demoted to right field. That's not the right way to say that, but right. he got shipped off to right field. Well, and... so remember they, they had him in center field last year, right? Yeah. And I think what it was was center field is a tough position to play at the big league level. You've got that second deck, right? That's yeah. one thing that a lot of people talked about with Julio Rodriguez, that they didn't think he could play center field at, at the major league level because specifically because of the second deck, right? Uh, you know, catching the uh, seeing the ball off the bat and then reading it with the second deck, everything like that. And yeah. so I think that I think we've talked about it before that he struggled because it's a hard position to play at the big league level. Yeah. D strange Gordon struggled in center field, at the big league level. I bet if the Mariners had moved him to right or left field, he'd have done better because he's a tremendous athlete, just like Tatis. Sure. And totally. I think good for him being able to come out there and ignore, or I guess embrace all the boos of everybody. That's right. right. For coming back from a PED suspension and being able to play right field at an elite level. Was he the guy to win it? I can't say for certain because we've questioned Same. other guys on this list. Right. But the right, fact that exactly. he was there and the fact that enough people thought that he deserved it. And that's the thing. Kevin Kiermeyer, enough people thought he did a good enough job. Right. Anthony Volpe, enough same. people yeah. thought he did a good enough job. Right. Enough people thought Tatis did a good enough job to win this award and good on him. Second full year. Actually, I think his first full year as an outfielder. Oh yeah, as an outfielder, exactly. Yeah. So, I just think it's really it's really interesting, and and I'm uh-huh. happy for him, honestly. Yeah. 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 This was a major redemption tour for him. It, yeah. Okay. That's what I was needing to say. I didn't have the words till just. Then. That's exactly what I meant to say. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Well worded, sir. Let's talk about other awards. 
All right. I'll go through the so, American League. You go through the National League. How about okay, that? Okay. So before we get into it, though, these are the regular season awards. Remember, regular season. So right. uh, Corey Seager's <laughs> performance in the World Series should not come into account for this award that he's nominated for. Although, I guess, I don't know. I guess the votes were probably tallied up before the World I Series. I think the votes were tallied before. But it doesn't. Yeah. that doesn't change the fact that we as fans can't, separate the regular season from the postseason recency partly bias, because of it. recency bias and partly because the dude was otherworldly <laughs> but i'm yeah. gonna i have a little thing for you here for exactly talking exactly about that okay a couple things we'll okay. talk about Corey seager in a minute okay um the american league awards for most valuable player are shohei otani he's a finalist rather Shohei Otani, Corey Seager, Otani's with the Angels, Seager's with the Rangers, Marcus Simeon, also with the Rangers. Okay. <laughs> I'm really surprised by Simeon being a finalist. Super surprised by Simeon. <laughs> Corey Seager makes sense. Shohei Otani, super duh. Okay. Hey, Brig, real quick. Can I, yeah. like, give a – I don't know if this is a hot take or what, but I think Seager should win this. He finished the season. It's not a hot take. He finished the season and got his team to the playoffs. I've said it before, almost single-handedly, when it seemed like everybody else is trying to sabotage their run to the playoffs. Between injury, forgetting yeah. how to play late in the season, Corey Seager is the dude who got them there. Here, Forget the me, playoff run. He got listen, them there. Let me caveat that. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I am going to say that Marcus Simeon played in all 179 Rangers games this season. He did. And he set a net, an uh, excuse me a major league baseball record all time plate appearances in a single season eight hundred thirty five. So you talk about a guy that showed up every single day and did his job every single literally well, did every he do his single job day. every day. But he sure he showed up, but did he do his job every exactly. day? Exactly, was a stretch there where he was. You're right, not an MVP caliber player. <laughs> That's why I'm like. I agree with that, but let's compare Corey Seager. I'm just going to do this right now. Corey okay. Seager, just in the regular season, 119 games, okay? okay? 323, 390, 623 with a, a 1.013 OPS. Dude, I'm saying. that's He's your MVP. Three. He's your MVP. Across the regular season, Corey Seager hit 33 home runs, 170 OPS plus, and a 6.9 B war just in the regular season. That does not factor into the fact that in the postseason, he hit 318, 451, 682, and a 1.133 OPS. 21 hits, 6 home runs, 12 RBIs, World Series champ, World Series MVP. I'm telling Dude you, man, he's your MVP year. this year. You just as don't much as have I, a year like as that. As much as I feel like you could literally give it to Otani every single year, this year, Seager's got to get it. I agree with you. Sorry. Moving on. Only short, only short stops to Homer in back-to-back -back World Series games, Corey Seager and Derek Jeter. Only short stops to have multiple 20-hit seasons or postseasons, 20-plus hits in the postseason, Corey Seager, Derek Jeter. Both top 10 all-time postseason home runs, Corey Seager, Derek Jeter. Both 
show up in huge clutch moments where if you're going to pick a guy, you want one of those guys. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. And we'll, and honestly, we'll, we can talk more about that later when we wrap up the yeah. World Series. But yeah, absolutely. Corey Seager. Okay. Yeah. The American League Cy Young finalists, Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman, Sonny Gray. Cole, Yankees, Gossman, the Blue Jays, Sonny Gray with the Twins. This is a no-brainer to me, and I'm going to do this for a minute, and I'm going to tell you it's still a no-brainer, okay? Even though I'm a Yankees fan, Garrett Cole 100% deserves this award. Well, they were giving it to him in, like, August, and then it was, like, the beginning of September, he went out and had a killer killer outing, and everybody's like, there, he just cemented the Cyan. It's over. The other two are just, like, also Rans. Yeah. And (laughs) They were here. It's very cool. (laughs) The American League Rookie of the Year finalists, Tanner Bybee with Cleveland's baseball team, Tristan Cassis with the Red Sox, and Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles. Now, being an AL East guy, seeing Tristan Cassis on this list is astonishing to me for two (laughs) reasons. Two reasons. One, because I was not sold on Tristan Cassis. In fact, I was so convinced that they had made the biggest mistake ever by getting rid no getting rid of bobby Dahlback was a great decision but bring it, putting all your faith in this rookie i was i was like you guys have lost your mind at a crucial first base role no way and then here he is on a rookie of the year finalist now that is astonishing yeah. also if you're a red sox fan congratulations because that is exciting it is that all being said, though, this is Gunnar Henderson's award. Yeah, I was going to say that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and who is Tanner Bybee, anyway? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> He's an also-ran. Yeah. The American League Managers of the Year finalists are Bruce Bochy with the Rangers. Again, it's a regular season award. Kevin Cash with the Rays and Brandon Hyde with Baltimore's Orioles. This one's a little tougher. It this is. one I don't think is clear cut. Yeah. Um, I don't think you give it to Cash, though. I think it's between Bochi and Henderson. Right. Or I and, absolutely uh, agree with. And Hyde, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you meant. But yeah, between Bochi and Hyde. So look at this. The Rangers last year won 68 games. Yeah. This year they won 90. Yeah. Okay. The Orioles last year won 83 games, and this year won 101. <laughs> So <laughs> it was like by percentages, it's the same. It's pretty similar. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think you gotta give it, you got to give it to Brandon Hyde though. You think so? And I think part of it has to do with the fact that management was not behind him. That's what I was going to say. Because they, they did not set him up for the success he was able to achieve. Right. They, they put the guys on the field for him. Right. But they yeah. they were saying going into the season like ah yeah we'll see mm-hmm. right. they weren't doing a good job of selling tickets and selling this team you know who does a great job of selling the team is uh, Jerry Depoto he had me all in on Malik Smith a few years ago holy smokes yeah. Brig Grant he stole like yeah. a thousand bases but that was yeah. all he yeah. did yeah nothing else literally nothing else he wore more chain than like he had more <laughs> more diamonds around his neck than he had hits <laughs> in the season and it was absurd. <laughs> Here's the argument for Bruce Bochy, though. Dude came out of retirement and in one year turned the whole team around. He was coaching his grandkids' baseball teams and when France, they called him. And France, by the way. Yeah, when they called him. Yeah. So 
talk about stepping away a little bit. Brandon Hyde's been in the thick of it and didn't really take a break, not like Bochi mm-hmm. did, and came in and won the World Series. So the yeah. the thing, the difference is that the big difference maker players were brought in for Bochi. Bochi's mm-hmm. Bochi's front office set him up for I think a greater amount of success than they did in Baltimore. And so for the achievement of how did you work with what you had and what did you accomplish given the you know the pieces of the puzzle we provided you and let's be honest the Orioles won they took first place in the American League East which is the most competitive division in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can give it to anybody but Brandon Hyde. That's how I feel. I do have a funny Bruce Bochy story for you real quick before I move to the right, National cool. League, though. So my best friend from college, um, this is like, this is forever ago. Anyway, um, rest in peace. But anyway, he li- he's from San Diego, and he and Bruce Bochy, when he was managing the Padres, lived in his best for his friend's neighborhood when he was in high school. Yeah. And so since they knew where he lived and they knew the code, because it was a gated neighborhood, obviously, they knew the code to the gated neighborhood, they would order pizzas and have them sent to Bochy's house. Like... <laughs> All the time, <laughs> just just, just just because they could, yeah. Like he can afford it. He's not. He's gonna turn away the pizza guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ordering all these pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't pay for them over the phone. They're like, "Well, I will oh, pay no, you." No, 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 no. They ordered them and had Bochi pay for them. <laughs> like I'm not kidding you, break. He's okay. That's funny. All the time. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> I'll bet he still remembers that and has no idea how to track that down. (laughs) Yeah. We should find a way to get him on the show. And (laughs) and you can tell him that story. I should. All right. So National League MVP got Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves, Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, and Freddie Freeman also of the Dodgers. Um, This is Acuna's award. 100%. Yeah. When you're you're creating a club. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get yeah. you get the MVP. Yep. Yeah. So let's move on to Cy Young. The NL Cy Young. We got Zach Gallon of the Diamondbacks, Blake Snell of the Padres, and Logan Webb of the Giants. This is a little more complicated, I feel like. This one's really not. Simple. Who do you who do you have in this one, Brig? I know who I have. I I don't. I can make a case for all of them, but I can also make a case for why are these the three guys? So <laughs> Honestly, um, I would give it to Snell because he was most consistent out of the group. Sure. Because my other guy would be Zach Gallon, and part of it is because I'm I'm really close to it, right? Yeah. I I saw I I followed Zach Gallon right close because I'm local. Um, but later on in the like toward like the middle part of the season, he had some really rough outings that I mm-hmm. think Snell didn't have in the middle of the season. Like he got all his rough stuff out of the way very very early, and there wasn't yeah. a lot of it. And then he was pretty much nails the rest of the way. So I think Blake Snell is your Cy Young Award winner this year, National yeah. League. Okay. I like it. I don't have anything to say against that. Excellent. Rookie of the Year, Corbin Carroll, the Diamondbacks, and he will win against James Outman of the Dodgers and Kodai Senga of the Mets. 100%. And he should have won it. It didn't matter what the postseason. These aren't postseason awards anyway, but you forget right. the recency. You forget the stage. doesn't matter. He should win that. Yeah, for sure. 
National League Manager of the Year, Craig Council of the Brewers, uh, formerly of the Brewers, now of the Cubs. Oh, boy. Skip Schumacher of the Marlins and Brian Snitker of the Braves. Hmm. It's tough. I don't think it's tough. Who do you have? I have Snitker. Because during the regular season, the Braves were truly inevitable. Mm. It's true. It did not matter who they were playing or when or why. If they lost a game, it was because they chose to rest. It had nothing to do. Well, they didn't rest anybody for, like, I guess their core guys, none of their core guys until they clinched. Yeah, that's true. But that's what I mean. They they lost so few games. It feels like it was deliberate. They had to have been. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. (laughs) Because they were the most most well-balanced team until, like, the last week in the season. And the most consistent and the most, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. dude, like I've, yeah, it was unreal. Yeah, I was, so I wasn't going to give it to council. My other thing would have been Skip Schumacher. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> Jim used to say making um, chicken soup out of chicken doo-doo. Yeah. And I felt like Skip Schumacher did that a lot of this season because he's without yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. He was without Jazz Chisholm a lot. Right, yeah. and and he really turned that team into something great this year. I agree, I given agree. what he had. So well, and Luis Arise helped a lot. Remember when he was bad? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He and, was hitting around four hundred. Jorge yeah. Soler was hitting bombs left and right. Absolutely, totally. there was it's just Chisholm wasn't the only one, but yeah. Anyway, it'll those be are your those are your MLB award finalists for this year. Let's talk about the Silver Slugger a little bit. What is the Silver Slugger Award? The Silver Slugger Award is presented to the best offensive player at each position in each league. It's like the Gold Glove, but it's an offensive award. Um, It's also presented to a utility player as of last year. Three outfielders are awarded the honor regardless of their their positions, uh, which means that three left fielders could win the award in a single year, which is interesting. I think it would be more likely to be three center fielders. Given. that's an example yeah but no i know it's just it's just a thought just thinking yeah loud, totally right? <laughs> um, anyway the award was created in 1980 and it was presented is presented by louisville slugger um, nominations are based on batting average on base percentage slugging percentage and coaches and managers can also vote uh based on their quote-unquote general impressions of players overall offensive value uh, they're not, however, allowed to vote for players on their own teams. So Dusty Baker could not vote for Kyle Tucker if he wanted to. Right. As an example. So these are the all-time winners of the award, the guys who have won the most. Is this Mike Hampton, the pitcher? Yeah. Won it five times. However, fun fact, pitchers can't win it anymore because they don't hit. That's right. Mike Piazza, no surprise, has won 10. Paul Goldschmidt has won five. Mm-hmm. I've seen several of those actually here in Phoenix at the uh, at Chase Field in their little museum. Yeah. yeah, they're cool. Ryan Sandberg won seven at second base. Wade Boggs at third base won eight. Barry Larkin, I'm surprised that he's the dude who's won the most at shortstop. I know. Has Isn't won that nine. interesting? I love it, though. Thing. I love I it. Too. It's a yeah. big Barry Larkin fan. And then outfielders, Barry Bonds, no surprise, has won 12. He's won the most out of anybody ever. Mike Trout has won nine. And Manny Ramirez won eight. <laughs> I love that. I do. That's fantastic. And then uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, has won seven at the DH position. 
Uh, really quick before we move on, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, this is what the Silver Slugger Award looks like. It is a metal, a silver metal bat, and it is presented on a black placard with a standard. It's it's there's a home plate shaped stand, the, the base of it. And then it's got Louisville Slugger on the top right-hand corner, and on the bottom left-hand corner is the player's information and the Silver Slugger award information and things like that. But that's what it looks like, and it is a really sweet piece of hardware, let's be honest. I was going to say, in person, those things are actually way more slick than the Gold Glove. Oh, yeah. These are yeah, really I love impressive. I love the way these things look in person. They are fantastic. I agree. All right, Brig, go through the AL for us again. Okay, so the 2023 Silver Slugger Award finalists, which will be presented November 9th, so that's this week. In the American League, the finalists are first base Tristan Cassis with the Red Sox, Yandy Diaz with the Rays, Nathaniel Lowe with the Rangers, and Spencer Torkelson with the Tigers. You wait, those Tigers are building. You just wait. Second base, Brandon Drury with the Angels of Anaheim, Marcus Simeon with Texas, and Glaber Torres with the Yankees third base, Alex Bregman with Houston, Rafael Devers with Boston and his cabbage patch cheeks, Isaac Paredes in Tampa Bay and Jose Ramirez in Cleveland's baseball club shortstop JP Crawford in Seattle, Corey Seager in Texas, Bobby Witt jr. For Kansas city, your outfield nominees are Randy Rosarena, Tampa Bay, Adolis Garcia, Texas, Aaron judge with New York Yankees, Luis Robert Jr. with the Chicago White Sox. Julio Rodriguez Julio! in Seattle. Anthony Santander in Baltimore. And Kyle Tucker in Houston. Catchers, Salvi Perez, Kansas City. Cal Raleigh in Seattle. And Adley Rutschman in Baltimore. The designated hitter, all yeah, the designated hitters are Jordan Alvarez in Houston. Shohei Otani in Anaheim. And then utility nominees for the American League are Brandon Drury with Anaheim. Gunnar Henderson in Baltimore, Isaac Paredes in Tampa Bay, and Whit Merrifield in Toronto. A couple of those names are on there twice, which obviously ups their opportunities to win the, the award mm -hmm. in one category or the other. Nice. Okay, National League first base, you got Polar Bear Pete Alonzo with the Mets, Freddie Freeman with the Dodgers, and Matt Olson with the Braves. Second base, Ozzie Albies with the Braves, uh, Luis Arias with the Marlins, and Cattell Marte with the Diamondbacks. Third base, Nolan Arenado with the Cardinals. Manny Machado with the Padres. Max Muncy with the Dodgers. Shocking. And Austin Riley with the Braves. Braves have, are going to have a lot of guys here because of their offensive output this year. It was bananas. Oh, yeah. uh, shortstop, Xander Bogarts with the Padres. Francisco Lindor with the Mets. Dansby, Dansby Swanson with the Cubs. And Trey Turner with the Phillies. Outfield for the National League. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr. with the Braves. Mookie Betts with the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger with the Cubs, Corbin Carroll with the Diamondbacks, Kyle Schwaba with the Phillies, Juan Soto with the Padres, and Seiya Suzuki with the Cubs. Catchers are William Contreras, not Wilson, William Contreras with the Brewers, Sean Murphy with the Braves, JT Realmuto with the Phillies, and Will Smith getting jiggy with it as a Dodger. <laughs> and your designated hitters, uh, Bryce Harper with the Phillies, J.D. Martinez with the Dodgers, Marcelo Zuna with the Braves, Jorge Soler with the Marlins, and your utility guys, Cody Bellinger with the Cubs, Mookie Betts with the Dodgers, Hassan Kim with the Padres, and Spencer Steer with the 
Reds. Whoo! All That's right, a lot. It's a lot. You got any uh, any qualms or predictions or anything as you go through and see these? I want to say the Braves are going to clean up because they should. Um, absolutely. Uh, I need Cal Raleigh to win. J.P. Crawford, I would like him to, but he's not going to because he's up against Corey Seager. And I need Julio to win. He absolutely should because nobody put up the numbers he did for a two-week stretch in August. And well, by that, I mean ever. Not yeah, just yeah. this year, but ever. I agree with that. I think my biggest thing is um, that Matt Olson's got to win. Oh, yeah. There's no way. There's no if way he doesn't, he doesn't win. win. The whole situation's rigged. It doesn't, it's not going to make any sense. Luis Arise, mm-hmm. second base on the National League, super duh. It's got to mm-hmm. go to him. Um, I can't believe Max Muncy's on this list. Uh, he's he's an also ran. He's not going to win it. Austin Riley will probably win that one. Yeah, I think you, I was going to say it'll be Austin Riley. Anyway, what do you think shortstop thoughts. National League? Xander Bogarts or Trey Turner? Yeah, I think it'll go to Xander. I think so too. That's tough, yeah. though. That's really cool. It is tough, but I think it'll go to Bogarts. Yeah. I think Dansby Swanson being in there is probably a tighter fit than we think. I'll bet it's not as uh, – he's probably not an also-ran. Like right. If we were no. to really, really go through the numbers. And it's interesting because of the four guys there, Francisco Lindor is like significantly lower than the other three, which is odd. I agree. Dude had a weird year. I mean, he's had a weird couple of years. Let's everybody in the for the Mets had a weird year this year. They shouldn't. They should not have had the year that they did. It was absolutely bonkers. The Yankees is the same. It's exactly the same in New York. Both teams. Yep. All right, baseball family. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to recap the World Series. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, baseball family, welcome back. Let's talk about the World Series. For those of you who might have missed it, the Texas Rangers won the World Series four games to one. There you go. The end. Just kidding. We'll catch you next week. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to go back and learn about games one through three, you can. We did a recap of those games uh, last week. That's probably the best way to go back. We're not going to go back. That's what I'm trying to say. Go watch that other video. (laughs) <laughs> or listen to the other episode. Okay. There is a link in the description. Actually, there's going to be something right up here in the corner. You can go if you want to go do that first. Just because it'll be a bink. Yeah, okay. All right. Game four, the Rangers won 11 to 7. And it was not that close. Not even close to that close. The Rangers just came out. I mean, for, forgive the pun. They came out swinging. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. So, <laughs> so it's funny, Rick. So this was Halloween night for those of you who may have lost track. Yeah. I will never forget this this night trick or treating because I was following the game. I wasn't watching the game on my phone because I get in trouble for that. But I was following Same. it for sure, right? Yeah. And we would go to people's houses and and like I would hear people like, "Hey, what what's the score?" Because people people had it on, obviously. And like, what's the yeah. score? And this lady goes, "I would rather be out there with you. It's far scarier out there than it is in here." 
Like, what's the score? She's like, it's 10 to 0. We're like, oh, gee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I walked, like, two houses down, and these, I heard this guy talking to his wife. He's like, yeah, they're playing right now. She's like, well, what's the score? He's like, I don't know. I was like, stay out here. It's 10 to 0. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, trick-or-treating was way more fun for us than it was anybody else in uh, the Phoenix area. So, yeah. Yeah. The D-backs scored six absolutely garbage runs. And they came in the eighth and ninth innings. So these weren't, it wasn't like a. Yeah. So it was like a 10 to one game at one point. And it was like, yeah, okay. And then for a long time, the Rangers scored one, went up 11 to one. Yeah. But then it's like, and it was, it was interesting though, because you look at 11 to seven, you're like, oh man, that was actually pretty close games. Cause last time I saw was 11 to five. Right. So then I was like, well, shoot, were they like cooking in the ninth? No, they weren't. No. No. They had a, they had a couple runs come across, but they didn't have anything cooking after that. It was never a threat. No, because you the way if you don't look at the box score, the way you read this eleven to seven is okay. A couple runs in the first, maybe three or four between the second and third, and like five or you know a couple more here in the fifth, fourth and fifth, and then they mm-hmm. respond. And it was not that way. No, it wasn't. It was it was the Rangers scored five in the third and five in the fourth. Yeah, and then one later, and then and then another one. Yeah, <laughs> another yeah, insurance right. run. Just yeah, yeah. just in it case. Happened. I get. <laughs> well, I mean, it was that, an accident. <laughs> it is. It is crazy to think about though for a minute. So it, think about this: you've got okay. the game in the bottom of the ninth in Phoenix, right? Right. Diamondbacks are at home. How much more different is the dynamic of this game if it's eleven to seven than it is ten to seven? And I understand, like we said, those runs That's ended up question. being meaningless, right? But if it was a ten to seven game. And because the Diamondbacks had a runner on yeah. when the game ended, yeah, like it's it might be a little bit closer, a little bit more nervy if it's a ten to seven game instead of an eleven to seven game. I like nervy. That's a really good word for it. Yeah, because I don't want to say threatening, but maybe like oh they could they got the tying run on deck. Yeah, right. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I can see what you mean, and and you're not so wrong. I think the the problem that is one is, run could have been the demoralizer there at the end. That is just yeah. just enough to overcome. Yeah. Huh, Brad, you make a really good point there, my friend. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, let's let's move on. Well, hold on. I mean, because I guess I mean this is <laughs> no this this is a transition transition segue here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I was going to do. But you having, do okay, I'm, I apologize. I apologize, Brick, because <laughs> I thought you were going to jump right over it. No. Because I was thinking the Diamondbacks <laughs> scored six runs between the eighth and, not, and the ninth innings. Yes. So, I mean, did you have the same thought I did that maybe it's like, well, they're waking up. They could be ready yeah. to go game five, right? Well, and they're the answer backs, right? So, right. Yes. That is exactly what I thought. I was like, okay, here we go. They're going to come out swinging, cooking with gas heat in game five. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. And they got a day off. They get to regroup. They get to recalibrate some things. There's The Rangers might lose a little bit of momentum, which they need to slow down a little bit before they go back to Arlington. Like, there's all this. Yeah. There was a lot of the mental side of it going yeah. into coming out of game four and going into game five that I thought it was going to, I thought we were going to see a shift in the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I did too. But we didn't. Nope. <laughs> I mean, Zach Gallon came out vintage Zach Gallon. 
That's true. This, he pitched really well. This is the guy we've expected to see in the playoffs, and we did not get. Not till that day. Not till and he needed it, but then he didn't get he any needed runs it in game one, and he didn't. Right. He couldn't bring it. Yeah. Exactly. We we say we need baseball family. We wanted the D backs to win, or we at least wanted it to go six or seven. I wanted to take a day off of work and go down to a freaking parade break. That's what yeah. I wanted. To do. I was yeah, gonna do it. <laughs> I'm yeah, very I... sick. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Ill. baseball cough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the black lung. It's the black glove. I got the black glove. <laughs> the black glove. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna do it, That's a but terrible joke. alas, it didn't happen. <laughs> well, game five, like you said, Zach Gallen was dealing, and he no hit the Rangers all the way through six. And this is what I was looking. I looked over at my people. I'm like, listen, don't you say a word. But <laughs> and the people in my family right now don't understand what's going on because right. they're all either new to baseball or short. Right, so they like they're very, they're very young people. So I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm doing this, okay, okay. I'm like grabbing my head and I'm like prancing around and I'm like whispering. They're like, what is mumbling wrong to yourself? Like, what is, dad's lost his mind. Yeah, I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> because I wanted to see a second one. We've only had one perfect game. We've only had one no-hitter. We've had a combined no-hitter in the World Series. The Astros did that. I don't count that one. I'm right. talking about the one, the lone no-hitter, which happened to be a perfect game. And, mm-hmm. and that's it. I wanted a second one. Yeah. Right. Well, he and he did lose the he did lose the perfecto. He I think he walked somebody in the sixth fifth yeah. or sixth inning, something like that. So he lost Perfecto, but the no-no was intact. And I thought, it, and there's no way. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say there's no way. They probably left him in. It's the end of the, this is last outing of the year. Maybe leave him in and empty the tank, right? But I think so. this is the problem I had, though, is that the Diamondbacks didn't capitalize on that. Is that he needed, he needed one run. Needed one run yeah. of support to get out of there. And like, okay, yeah. that was all around offensive defensive a good six innings right but he didn't get the one run that he needed to help push through to the end and then yeah yeah and then the rangers and and i'm not putting anything on gallon because he has no control over that he pitched the game of his life right but the offense was flat and i shouldn't hold him busted right i and i i shouldn't be too hard on him because it's not like they're facing a slouch nathan uvaldi was pitching he was doing great, like he does and did throughout the postseason. So for sure, I like Nate dope. a lot. He's I know you do. He's your dude. Um, but the Rangers came through and scored one run in the seventh. Yeah, which ultimately would have been it. Wow. But they put up four in the ninth to seal the deal, and that was. It felt like a team that just. I don't the seal had just popped, you know? Yeah. Like they blew like, that last gasket right at the end. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, th- and this is how, this is how the last inning went single, single, single. And that third single ended up the runner advanced to third on an error on Alec Thomas, because he just missed. It's just the wrong angle in that ball. And it yeah. was, it was just like, Oh 
man. that was that was the end, like the end game right there, right? Yeah. But it's like you can't recover from that because there were no Checkmate. outs. Runner on third after that. And then you got a strikeout, got a ground out, and then Marcus Simeon hits a two run home run, five to zero. Corey Seager hits a little infield dribbler for a, a single and then a Puts strikeout. A lid on it, man. Yeah. But that was game over, man. It was. It yeah. Really was. Yeah. It was it was I don't want to say it was an anticlimactic ending. No, um, I wouldn't say that. Because because one to zero going to the ninth, that's a heck of a game. Yeah, yeah. Right. But man, for <laughs> to give up four in the top of the ninth, it was just like, ugh. We're not going to get a good ending to this game because the D-backs came up and three up, three down, and that's game over. Yeah. On some beautiful pitches. Oh, some great pitches. Yeah. Really wonderful pitches. I mean, they were. Super, super heady play by Jonah Heim to uh, go back and grab the ball after he dropped it going to the dog pile. That was, (laughs) I loved that. He pulled the Anthony Rizzo and made sure he got that ball in his pocket. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, that final pitch, that final strike that punched out the rest of the or the World Series, right? It was a punch out for the World Series. It was. It they dropped the, the ball. Yeah. Everybody went bananas. And Jonah Heim stopped himself mid-celebration on his way. He was crescendoing into a celebration. And he went back and grabbed the baseball and stuck it in his back pocket. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Brilliant. Loved yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I Here's did. I a yeah. I mean, what are your overall impressions? And Corey Seager is the World Series MVP. I think we've hit that pretty hard. It's super done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy was in almost all of the key moments for the Rangers. Like well, the thing that the center of it, the thing that was crazy about him is that like you and I have joked this year about how like there were times when somebody would be up to up to bat, and I'd just be sitting there and be like this dude's homering, and then like one or two pitches later, he hits a homer. Yeah. That's the way it was with Corey Seager is that you could mm-hmm. tell when he was going to homer in this series. Yeah. Cause it's like, okay, the Rangers kind of need one here. Boom. There it is. Every single time. Clutch man. He yeah. was the definition of clutch the whole postseason, but especially in the world series, it was crazy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nobody else deserves that more than he does. And the thing that's crazy, this is his second one. Cause he got one with the yeah. Dodgers. Yeah. So, the too early conversation, Brig, is Corey Seager a Hall of Famer? Way too early. <laughs> and very likely, you know, depending on how things get, go. I think if he puts up two to three more years similar to what he did this year and even oh. last year, because he had a great year last year, too. Yeah, he did. Then, yeah, absolutely. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's the first ballot. If he can ride this, though, then yes. Yeah, because sure. he's because he's gonna get another. If he doesn't get the MVP this year, he'll get it sometime in the next couple of years if he continues on this trajectory. And he could just yeah. like play on this plane. He doesn't have to go up. If he plays on that's this what plane, I mean. Yeah, if he stays, if he yeah. even stays, huh? Yeah, with two World Series quick. MVPs to his name, because the only other guy I think who's done it for more than one team was Reggie Jackson, right? Yeah, Reggie Jackson's the only guy with two World Series MVPs. Uh, Corey Seager also won the rookie of the year. I forgot about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. He has a career war of 32. <laughs> How many years has he been playing? Because because career war is a cumulative stat. How many yeah, years yeah. has he been playing? That's uh, nine. 
And his war this year was 6.9, like we said earlier. That's so pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's pretty good. Don't forget too, Brig, that he missed a year because of Tommy John. Yeah. So yeah, that was that uh, what 2018. He 26 games. Yeah, that would have been that year. Four. Yeah, it would have been that year. I so, was concerned. I was concerned that that was like going to be the end of end for him because he's a shortstop. Rightly so. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, so much better. It's insane. Um, so overall, like I said, overall impressions of the World Series. How did? What do you think of the umpires break? I mean, not great. Like, and when we did our umpire preview, I was worried, uh, and even the guy, I I felt like I could be confident in. He let me down all the way. Like right. Walcott, he just totally, totally blew it. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not happy. Are you happy with the umpires? No, I wasn't. Um, because it wasn't just like that. It wasn't great. It said it was inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You know, in the World Series, you've got to have a consistent right strike zone. It doesn't have to be 100 accurate, but it's got to be consistent. And that's that's, my, that's the key to everything, right? That's that, like you can't have a curve, a backdoor curveball off the plate called a strike, and then three pitches later have it called a ball, or three innings later have it called a ball. Because what are you supposed to do? What's the pitcher yeah. supposed to do? What's the hitter supposed to do? I have no got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent with it. And I think that having this caliber of umpire at the on the biggest stage, on the game's biggest stage, only I don't want to say solidified, but improved the argument for an automated strike zone. Yep. It definitely improved the argument. Mm-hmm. And that's inevitable too. So baseball family, if you're against the automated automated ball strike caller sorry man like it <laughs> and even I'm even if it's it. not this is the thing is even if it's not every pitch even if it's yeah. just a challenge system i think that's better than what we've got right now i agree and i have been against it for a very long time so you're not alone if you feel that way but i i can i do not foresee a world where this does not come yeah. i just don't see it mm-hmm and I think we're sooner than we think, too. I do, too. Okay, Brad, my question to you is, was this World Series boring? I hate to say it, but I was bored by it. I thought I was going to be more excited and more into it. And maybe it was because the Rangers won so decisively so many times, right? Up 11-1. to 1, that's, not an, that's not an exciting game if you're going for the hometown team that's not in Texas. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And and I think I think too, like there were people who on TikTok commented on because we, we talked about the ratings for game one, how they were way down. Cool. There was somebody on TikTok straight up was just like, nobody cares about the Diamondbacks and Rangers. Yeah. You know, I think that was a general sentiment that like Mike Farn said that yeah, the world's not ready for this World Series. And I think generally speaking, it was not. They didn't come through and they didn't give us even six thrillers. They gave us like two. And those two thrillers were great. I mean, they were just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think the entire thing was boring, but accumulatively or average or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was an was underwhelming. Was it game four? Was it game three or game four where you were just like, you were just straight up like, that was a terrible game. I hope we have another one. Yeah. Like, we don't have another I don't, one like that. I don't remember which one it was, but I, I was like, that was just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Just and I don't not think. not even and, fun. And I don't think you have to have 
the Astros and the Dodgers, the Yankees and the Red Sox, or I guess the Yankees and the no. Red Sox aren't going to play, but the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series to get no. an exciting World Series. You just have you to don't. have close games with an even an evenly matched series. And unfortunately, by the time the Diamondbacks got there, they were overmatched. The Rangers were just that much better of a team top to bottom. And somehow, Brig, what happened? When did the Rangers figure out their bullpen? Dude, I kept waiting, kept waiting for oh, it. Oh, man. I was like, this is when things are going to get really good and exciting. The D-backs are going to break out and level this series because this this Rangers bullpen is going to implode. It was so bad, so yeah. bad for 170 yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly they lock it down. Yeah, and, and even Scherzer struggled, and it was like, okay, yeah. here's your chance, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The other thing I think that really – has nothing to do with like why it was boring. Maybe I'm just upset by the fact that it was, and also this happened. So the Diamondbacks played a lot of small ball, and it when they did, and when they did it successfully, we had great games. Very when they exciting. were yeah. unable to lay a bunt down or unable to loop together some singles and manufacture runs, that's when the games were boring. And so, like, it's really great to see Adolis Garcia and Corey Seager hit home runs, especially in clutch moments. What is not exciting is how games are won and lost only on the long ball. The, to me, that's where it starts to get boring. Zero, yeah. zero, zero, bomb. Zero, 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 two-run bomb. You know, it's like... All or nothing, yeah. I just, that's the struggle for me. And so I really wanted a team that embraces the small ball mentality, even a little bit to come through. And when it was working, it was exciting. Right. And that's, and that is the problem, right? Isn't that it's since it's such a copycat league that like, if the diamondbacks had won by playing small ball, that you would have seen a correction back to the mean, like teams would be like, Oh, it does work. We can win a world series playing small ball. Let's go get a guy who can bunt, let's get some speed guys. Let's go get guys who can string together a bunch of hits, get, get some batting average guys. Instead, you're like, Nope, the Rangers won it with the long ball. You got to keep hitting homers. Oh, it just makes me let's sick, look at OPS man. and slugging and how many homers this guy gets. Strikeouts be damned. Oh, man. Let's go I hit just, a bunch of homers. Am I the only one that's grieving that? Well, it's the problem that baseball has. It's why they went with the bigger bases. It's why they went with the pitch clock. And it's why they made the changes they did. It was because they wanted to ban the shift because they wanted to get the game moving again. But the fact that, like, the Rangers were just like, no, we can hit home runs still. So we're going to go hit home runs. The Braves, all year long, we can still hit home runs. We're going to hit them, you know, and had the best record in baseball. Yeah. And then get eliminated by a team that, it's home runs, right? Yep. So it it is a problem for baseball because it's it's not easily consumed. It moves slower. Do I love home runs in the moment? Absolutely, for I love sure. home runs. They'll break your back celebrating or lamenting them, right? Yeah. But at the same time, though, like it doesn't make for exciting baseball because they're not stringing together hits and nobody's relying on it that if you can hit three solo home runs in a game, you're probably going to win the game and then maybe pepper in a two or three home run, two or three run home run somewhere in there. You'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk more about this at a different show, but I want to come up with a list of 
ways Major League Baseball can address the problem because I need to know. So baseball family, let us know in the comments. I have a thought that just came to my mind. If you have a thought that's come to your mind, we need you to jump in the comments and let us know so we can break it down and discuss it. Anyway, with that, baseball family, thank you for joining us. We couldn't do it without you. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're on a different platform, you can rate and review. Always hit the subscribe button. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. We're coming at you every week throughout the off-season and the winter meetings all the way up to spring training all the way through spring training to March 28th, the beginning of the season. Um, we love doing this. We love bringing you content every week and giving you your baseball fix. So with that, baseball family, we will catch you next week. Next week.